Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is Hemet. And Jessica. And you're listening to the Friendly Atheist Podcast. Please go to patreon.com slash friendly atheist podcast to support this show. How are you? I'm doing very well. Excellent. How, how are you? I'm doing very good. There's a lot going on. Um, did you know we're facing an impeachment crisis? We are. This has been the wildest week, maybe, of my entire life. Before <laughs> we dig into that, though, oh, yes. we want to remind everybody, if you are in the Chicagoland area, we're going to have a meet-up next uh, Saturday, October 5th. Um, at Fat Is that Cat. a week away? That's a week it's away. It's a week away. So this is probably the last time we can get the message to people. Yes. Um, at Fat Cat, which is in Uptown at Lawrence and Broadway. Um, there's a Facebook group invite. If you could please RSVP if you're coming, we'd appreciate it so we know how many to expect. Link is in the show notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a podcast taping. Nope. We are not doing anything nope. like recording wise. Nope. We are just there. Just hanging out. It's my excuse for abandoning children uh-huh. for a night. Are you not bringing your kids to the bar? I'll think about it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, come. But yeah, it's It'll gonna be, be fun. My parents might be there. My brother really? will be there. Yeah, I have family who cares about me. Isn't that wow. weird? That is unusual. Oh, also, if he's listening, happy 70th birthday, Dad. I was just hey. in Wisconsin for his birthday, and it was extremely fun, and his friends are shockingly cool. <laughs> we were all surprised by it. Nice. <laughs> all right. All right, let's talk about this impeachment thing, Jeez. but only in terms of the stuff I actually care about. Uh, Tony Perkins, he's the religious right leader, the Family Research Council president, constant presence on Fox News, uh-huh. all that fun stuff. I'm going to I'm going to give you this brief timeline for a moment and I want to see if you could predict where this is going. Oh god. In 2014, September of 2014, Tony Perkins said Barack Obama needs to be impeached because of That's right. Benghazi. Benghazi? Yes. Huh. He said they need to impeach him. Congress is too fearful, too politically minded to impeach this president because they're fearful. We it, need leaders who are not fearful. Isn't it funny to accuse politicians of being too political? Yeah. Uh, a month later, he uh, said, Perkins said Obama should be impeached if, in 2014... He did wear that tan suit. He did. If Republicans won control of the Senate... And he said, oh. if Republicans do capture the Senate, there is no more excuses about impeachment. Okay. Okay. November of 2014, a month after that, mm-hmm. he said Obama should be impeached for using an executive action to prevent the deportation of immigrants. The Dreamers Act? Uh, I don't know if it was Dreamers, but it was close, that something was in that same okay. realm. But he said, if the president does not uphold the law, that is an impeachable act. Now, you don't impeach somebody because you don't like their policies. It's when they fail to uphold or abide by the law. And I got one more for you. So easy to say when there's a Democrat in the White House. Uh August of 2015, he said Obama should be impeached for aiding our enemies. He said, I think this president has crossed the line. Which enemies? Uh, All of them. I don't even know in this case. (laughs) 
Um, but he did say he lamented that the Republican Party didn't have the backbone mm-hmm. to pres- begin impeachment proceedings. Oh, wait, I got one more in May of 2016. He said Obama should be impeached because Obama said transgender kids in public schools should be allowed to use the right bathrooms. No. And he said if the president chooses to go forward with this outrageous order, then Congress should begin impeachment proceedings. I bring all of that up. Because guess what Tony Perkins said this week? There is no reason to ever impeach a sitting president. (laughs) Is that what he said? That is essentially what he said. He said, if you want to remove Donald Trump from office, do it the old-fashioned way. Win an election. So when he says... By the way, in 2018, Democrats won, like, all the elections. Right. Does anybody say... Like, I just really need somebody to just say to him, like, hey... Do you remember these tweets? What changed, bud? Yeah, they have a very short memory. And again, what are they going to do? Hold a Christian right leader accountable? No, that's yeah. not what the Christian right does. No, that's not their job. Their memory at all. lasts like as long as the creation of the earth. It's very <laughs> short. Wow, cool. That's uh, <laughs> that's too bad. I'm sorry he feels that way. I know, I know. So suddenly he just changed it up. Now apparently no one can call for Donald Trump's impeachment, even though if the allegations are accurate, and that's what the investigation shows, yeah. he really is like breaking the law. Yeah. It's not a political thing, as Perkins wanted. Uh-huh. Basically, if Democrats said everything Perkins had said in the past, mm-hmm. Perkins would be furious. Yes, a hundred percent. I spent Tuesday. I happened to be spending the night at my friend Anne's place in the city, and we got rumblings of like Nancy Pelosi is going to make an announcement. So yeah. I packed some champagne, and <laughs> as I was pulling up, Anne was like yelling out her window, like she's starting to talk. Hurry up! <laughs> anyway, we celebrated very hard that night. It was over the mere announcement of maybe we should look into this. Maybe finally. Yeah. It was yeah. very exciting, and don't you dare try to take that away from I, me. I'm not. I, I'm just saying. Did it's you early. watch Trump's? Sp- no, you didn't. I didn't. Or you didn't watch see it live because I was, I was texting at yeah. you furiously. Yeah. Did you see Trump's like rambling? Oh my crazy god! It's speech. been bananas. Yeah. I he's. I had to catch up to it later in sound bites. It's. A I lot. didn't miss much. No, I watched it on the couch with my parents, and we were just like. What the fuck is happening right now? <laughs> it was like he was on. Li- it was like he was in, like talking in slow motion. It was alarming. Anyway, yes. So that's it. Do we have any other impeachment um, news? Eh, no, that's it. That's literally all that's going on with impeachment. It exposes the religious right's hypocrisy. Yeah. <laughs> there is a story in the new issue of the Atlantic. I don't know if it's in this current one or the next one. You know, my friend Matt just said that to me yesterday. Everyone and I sent this to... around everywhere. <laughs> I haven't uh, gotten to read it yet. It's by Derek Thompson. He's a staff writer there. It's, it's a decent article. It basically says... Here's the gist of his article if you haven't read it, and we'll have a link to that in the show notes too. But basically he says if you look at the growth of the non-religious, of non-religious Americans mm-hmm. uh, over the past like 50 years, you see the number growing, he says, in 1990. Like it starts at like 6% mm-hmm. of America is non-religious. That's the low And then it just starts going up and up and up. And it's at like 23% according to the General Social Survey. Uh I've heard numbers in the 30s in other surveys. If you look at young Americans, it's like 40. Right. So basically, and I'm quoting here, he says, what the hell happened around 1990 
that you start seeing this this trend. The intranet. Well, the, I'm going there. Okay. But, like, before we get there, he's trying to say, like, 1990, the internet was not around. So, like, what is happening in 1990? Yeah. And he speaks to a professor who attributes all this to three basic reasons. He's talked to a guy named Christian Smith, who is a sociology and religion professor at Notre Dame. I'm sorry, his name is Christian his Smith? His name is Christian Come Smith. Come on. Nope, that's it. How dare you? Um, and basically, he, uh, Smith attributes the non-religious rise in the 90s, early 90s, mm-hmm. to three things. He says, uh, I'm, in, I'm paraphrasing here, uh, people started connecting the religious the religious right with the Republican Party. Because you just sure. had Reagan and you just had George H.W. Bush mm-hmm. and people were getting sick of it. And yeah. this is starting to get the pushback. He also said it's the end of the Cold War. So you no longer had this like, oh, if you're godless, you're a communist oh, sure. sort of talk. And then he says, jumping ahead 10 years, like 9-11 had something to do with it too. Which I would grant him because you saw the excess of religious extremism. This is religion taken to its worst extreme. I see. And people wanted to push back. Okay. And I would agree that 9-11 had something to do with some of this. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you see religion taken to its logical conclusion mm-hmm. in the extreme route. Yeah. Like, That's this is what, what like. could happen right. if people use religion for all the wrong reasons. Right. Not that everyone does that, obviously. Um, I'm with him there. But... This brings up what you brought up, which is like, where is the internet in here? And it's, they briefly mention it, but here's the only, I'm going to find this here, like the only mention of the internet, nor does Smith rule out the familiar antagonists of capitalism and the internet in explaining the popularity of non-affiliation. He said, the former capitalism has made life more precarious and the latter has made it easier for anxious individuals to build their own spiritualities from ideas and practices they find online. That's it? That's it. So See, here's, here's yeah. where I have a problem I with I think it. it's pretty specious. If you look at the graph that uh, Derek Thompson actually put in his article, he says, look, what, what, happened, in the ni- what happened in 1990? Because in 1991, you see this low end of 6%, mm-hmm. and it starts trending or staying the same, but mm-hmm. it just it's like a staircase right. the rest of the time. But actually, if you look at the graph, you go from like, I'm starting in 88, 8 8%, 8%, 8%, 6%, 9%, 9%, then the number starts going higher. Okay. To me, the 6 is almost an anomaly for one year, and then it's back to normal. Yeah. And then it starts getting into the double digits and higher. The double digit rise, which to me is really where you start getting higher and higher. Right. That starts in 96, 97, which, which coincides like I was a latecomer to the Internet because I was like, what, a freshman around that time mm-hmm. close to it. And like I was late to the Internet because I was a baby. <laughs> um, and so like the Internet, we're talking mid 90s. Yeah. And that's we're talking I about. This is what I was surprised that they didn't cover this in more depth mm-hmm. because that to me is the biggest instigator of what fueled the rise of the non-religious. I agree. Has n- relatively little to do with 9-11 or the new atheist books or Richard Dawkins, which is like 2006 we're talking here, right. all the God delusion, all those books and stuff. Uh-huh. None of that happened until like well after this rise was already starting. And I would argue this idea that 
you can meet other atheists. You're no longer isolated. Mm -hmm. You realize other people share your heretical views, Mm -hmm. which is not something you would have maybe seen in your cloistered bubble. Yeah. Um, And the fact that you could now ask all those burning questions you had that, like, the nun in uh, CCD would, Mm -hmm. like, be mad at you about, or your pastor would be like, well, just have faith. Like, why does Adam have a belly button? Just have faith. All those... I mean, I would say even before that, like, yes, you can find like-minded people, but I think you can almost just as importantly learn that there are non-like-minded people. If you grow up in an area that's all Catholic, say, or mm-hmm. all Baptist, that's all you know, and it does it might not even occur to you to question anything because that's what everybody around you does and believes right. and says and perpetuates. And it's easier to live in your bubble. Yeah, and then as soon as you find out that people either don't believe in anything or believe just as strongly as you do, but about something else, that has to click something in your brain of like, wait, 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 wait. I thought we all decided this one (laughs) thing was right. Right. And all of a sudden, you don't even have to ask anybody. Like, if you have doubts, Mm -hmm. the biggest thing you could do is start bouncing those ideas off of somebody, somewhere, anything. The worst thing is like, oh, God, I think these thoughts. Right. But I don't know what to do with them. And that's frightening. And all of a sudden, it's like, okay, well, what happens if I don't think God exists? And you find people saying roughly the same thing. I can tell you from my experience, having those thoughts, not having anybody to talk to that I knew of anyway, I would look online like, well, what happens if this doesn't make sense? Right. I would find websites by what totally looked like a dude in his basement, like (laughs) writing these manifestos or something. But I remember reading and saying, wow, that that makes a lot of sense, actually. And I don't think I'm supposed to be reading this. Right. But it does seem to make a lot of sense. Do you think it made a difference to you that you grew up as a Jane, which isn't necessarily like a huge subset Maybe, of I mean, American religious views? If anything, though, I think it would go in the other direction because they were never talking about my beliefs. They were always talking about Christianity oh. and the Bible. And I'm like, wow. If I mean, I always grew up thinking, well, either I'm right or they're right, but we're not both right about right. all of this stuff. Right. But I never really thought about it because, again, baby, what do I know? Yeah. But, but like by the time I got to the age where I started asking those questions, mm-hmm. all of a sudden these people are like, here's why the Bible doesn't make sense. Here's why God doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. They were always talking about the Christian God. Mm-hmm. But I'm looking at that saying, wait a minute, that does make a lot of sense why Christianity doesn't work. Mm-hmm. But wait a minute, that kind of applies to all the stuff I believe, oh, no. even though it's not really a I'm ton of overlap. <laughs> I know. I'm thinking critically or some sort of way. But yeah, I think that... That ability, I mean, I would argue Google has done more to create atheists mm-hmm. than any other force since, like, the printing press, yeah. maybe. Um, so, it's, yeah, and you could connect and chat with people and mm-hmm. realize, oh, I'm not the only one who thinks well, this way. Well, there's anonymity that there never was yeah, before. for sure. And all of that, I think, fueled it. And obviously, when stuff like 9-11 happens, you have more people critical of religious extremism. When those books come out, you have more people spreading those ideas But also, again, this article in The Atlantic is talking about what happened in 1990, Mm -hmm. but kind of the 90s in general. Mm -hmm. I was just surprised at how much they downplayed the internet in trying to explain the rise. And I'm not saying he's wrong about this other stuff. There are two things can be true. Yeah. Um, But like the factors of like responding to the way religion and politics collided, it was around, but it was never as heavy handed as it was like in 2000 when right. George W. Bush was in office. Right. Um, granted, I was, again, a kid, but, like, I don't remember H.W. Bush doing as much intermingling with the religious right as his son did, 
And like right. that wasn't until well after all the nineties. So Yeah, I don't have a ton of memories around just HW. Yeah. So uh anyway. That Atlantic article, it is a good one. Read it. I am surprised at the downplaying of the internet in all of that. Yeah, that seems pretty wild. Okay, so I heard a new argument this week for why uh, we should not allow abortions. What? Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, oh, this is this is one that's going to finally convince me? Yeah. Sean Duffy, he's a Republican from Wisconsin. He's a, a member of Congress. He has, I believe, proposed a bill, or at least thrown his support behind a bill, um, that he's, he's retiring, by the way. He's about to have his ninth child. Oh, my God. Uh-huh. This one, he knows ahead of time, has a congenital heart defect. Jesus. Um, he's going to have to spend time with, obviously, the kids, so he's going to retire fine. Okay, whatever. Um, like, I hope the best for the baby. Yeah. I... Also, he's done a lot of horrible things, so I'm sure. glad he's gone. Wishing the best for the baby. Um, but one of the last things he's doing now, while he's sitting in Congress and totally not worrying about impeaching Donald Trump, mm-hmm. he introduced a bill that would ban the termination of a pregnancy based on certain factors. Okay. For example, and we've heard this before, like, you can't do sex selection. If we ever get the technology, you shouldn't be allowed to abort a, ch- a fetus because it's going to be a girl mm-hmm. or something like that. Okay, fine. Sure. But also, he says he's adding sexual orientation to the list. Because what if we find a gay gene, which doesn't exist, but whatever. He's saying, like, well, it's a factor. There's a study that came out that said genetics may play a component in homosexuality. And he's saying, well, I care about gay people so much that I don't want them aborted. (laughs) He said... Quote, I believe it is vital we begin now to set ethical standards to protect the lives of unborn gay children because all children are entitled to love, acceptance, and more importantly, most importantly, a right to life regardless of their sexual orientation. See, he's a champion of LGBTQ people, and that's why he wants to make life harder for women. Are you kidding me? (laughs) I don't know why, but this unex- this filled me with rage that I did not <laughs> expect. Are you fucking kidding me? The right is saying that... They care so much about LGBTQ rights that they want to prevent abortions to protect future Well, so now we LGBTQ. know they hate women more than they hate queer people. So that's like a cool fun Congrats. thing that we know yeah. now. And they need them to stay alive because how else are they going to discriminate against gay people if they're not born... I am going to flip this fucking table over. <laughs> I'm so angry. Again, Who's this, this guy, is Dennis Duffy from 30 Rock? Sean Duffy. And basically, he's using LGBTQ issues as a smokescreen to normalize restrictions on reproductive freedom. Forgive me if I don't think this is a good faith <laughs> argument, Hammett. But history has shown me that conservatives only use science when they know it supports anti-science motives. Yeah. Like lowering abortion rates by a gay gene? Yeah. For for a guy hey, who... Hey, sir, do you know what genes are? <laughs> for a guy who says, I'm all about love, acceptance, and a right to life. Unless you're a whatever LGBTQ person trying to live and doing and living I mean, your life and is, being happy, this in is, which case he'll be against you. This is the logical conclusion of the idea that conservatives don't give a fuck about you once you're born. But before you're born, holy shit, they care so, so much about yeah. you. And then you're born and it's like, 
Have you tried stop being to stop being gay or <laughs> right? But he he accidentally so is it natural is or is impl- it not natural? Yeah, he is accidentally implying that being gay is not a choice, which has been a right wing talking point forever. You right. choose your gender, you choose to be gay, and he's like, no, 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 you're born gay, and I respect that. And that's why women must have their rapists babies. The talking out of both sides of your mouth that these assholes tend to do is infuriate because you can't fucking pin them down on any one opinion. <laughs> Except the, for they hate women. <laughs> the director of the reproductive uh, rights program of the National Women's Law Center pointed out, like, Republicans are doing nothing to protect LGBTQ individuals from discrimination on an everyday basis. It's offensive that this is the way he's approaching it. Because, yeah. again, you... If your way of protecting LGBTQ people is let me make women suffer, and then you do nothing to actually help LGBTQ people. That that would have been my 47th draft of that. It would have started (laughs) with like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. And then like, okay, just Right, to see the Google Doc, she wrote that statement. (laughs) Just don't look at the history, you'll hate it. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Oh my goodness. Um, Can we talk more about um, how the right hates women? Oh, yes, go on. Which is my favorite talking yes. point. Um, so, what do you know about End the Backlog, Hammett? Because we've uh, talked about backlog. it here before. Backlog sounds like rape kits. That's it the association I've had with them. Yes, that's exactly right. So, End the Backlog is a, um, a nonprofit that is um, dedicated to cutting down the numbers of untested rape kits. Smart. Because Good. as of five years ago, there were as many as 400,000 untested rape kits. So if you kind of pull out from those numbers, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but they say something like one in five or one in 10 rapes is actually reported. And even fewer are taken seriously and even fewer are like use the, the rape kits to, to try to catch the person who was the rapist. So when you're looking at that number, that's winnowing down so quickly of like how many rape kits we could potentially have. I think 400,000 is simply too many to have not been tested. Maybe I'm the crazy one here. Anyway, um, so in 2009, um, the uh, Detroit politi- some Detroit politicians found more than 11,000 untested kits in a police storage warehouse. Some of these dated back to 1984. Some of these rape kits are older than I am as a human adult woman who owns a house. Wayne County prosecutor, uh, her name's Kim Worthy. She is the real shero of the story. She and her team started the process of testing the kids. Um, fun typo, I put testing the kids. <laughs> That's a weird, dumb story that I want to read. Testing the kids, um, investigating the crimes, and, um, and persecuting, pr- prosecuting the perpetrators. So, last month, after a decade of work, they finally tested the entire backlog. Hey, hey. Which is great news. And remember, 11,000 untested kits. So far, 824 serial rapists have been identified. Wow. 824 serial rapists have been identified. So the fact that these tests sat unchecked for decades and decades means that... 824 people were allowed to continue to rape women because the police did not think that this was an important enough issue to look into. Anyway, they've already convicted nearly 200 men, which is 
huge. Um, and there's still hundreds of investi- investigations underway. So, like, listen, if we want to say we're tough on crime or whatever, and our version of tough on crime is, like, putting a weed dealer in jail, maybe we should, like, really refocus on wh- who is actually being harmed by what. And guess what? Being raped is a lot more harmful than smoking weed. What is What can people do if they want to see the backlog end? You can go to end the backlog. I think endthebacklog.com. Org, just Google in the black backlog. You don't need. Yeah. I don't need to tell you if it's com or org. Um, donate there. Look into your, um, look into your state. They have a nice state by state breakdown of whether or not we're doing something. So Illinois, for example, has a plan that we are implementing to okay. end our backlog. That's the exception rather than the rule. One thing I've always heard about nonprofits is like their ultimate goal is to put themselves out of existence, right. and this seems like one that could actually get there. Uh huh. So it's something I care about very passionately, and I hope um, I hope we continue to see this progress, yeah. and we continue to understand why it's not just the principle of these are un- untested; it is the safety of women that's in jeopardy. I'm going to shift gears completely here. Wait, you don't want to keep talking about rape? I know there is a brandy maker in England. His name is Julian Temperley, and he just this is also announced... far out of your wheelhouse right it now. Really is. <laughs> He Can you says, say his last name again? No. He <laughs> says, he just announced that he has a fossil of a 90 million year old ichthyosaur. Ichthyosaurus? Sure. Um, 90 million year old fossil. And he says, this has been in my family forever. It was always buried in our garden. We always knew it was there. Like when he was kids, when he w- he and his relatives were Oh, this were is kids. a bananas looking dinosaur. Uh-huh. It's like a bird, but it's a dinosaur. I don't know. I don't know my Oh, dinosaurs. wait, I might have said the wrong... I, mine looks like a dolphin. Yeah, no. Ichthyosaur. Sure. So he said when we were kids, we would, like, unbury this thing, like, in the backyard or whatever, and uncover it, and then they would rebury be, like, it? rebury it. And it's just... Like there. A cool it's a dinosaur game. fossil just sitting there. And he said, like, a couple years ago, there was a flooding in his town. He's like, I should really not keep this thing buried. Then he saw some documentary on TV with David Attenborough, and they were digging up a similar fossil. And they were like, look at the fossil here. Like, we have bits and pieces, but, like, look at how cool that is. And he's sitting there thinking, well, I have, like, the entire thing in my home here. They should check this out. And he, like, pays money to the guy David Attenborough was with, saying, hey, I got this thing you might want since you like him so much. Ichthyosaur? Uh Uh-huh. And they looked at it, and they're like, holy crap, this is one of the best ones we've ever found. They cleaned it. Great. Okay, so now it's on display, not at a museum, but at his brandy-making factory or whatever it Uh is. And they're also making, like, the outline of the fossil, the logo for some of their alcohol. I don't know how it works. So his... Okay, fine. I'll tell you where I'm going with this story. According to him, though, his family discovered, his ancestors discovered this fossil way back in like 1850. And guess why they buried it in the first place? Because people are idiots. That too. They buried it because they saw it and they're like, oh no, this contradicts the book of Genesis that says God created Adam and Eve. Uh, British, you're supposed to be better than us. Uh-huh. But this, remember, 1850 is almost a decade before On the Origin of Species came out. Evolution was not a word people use. Like, uh-huh. you didn't really know where we came from. And so Genesis was as good a reason as any. And these people are like, oh no, 
this is information. We must destroy it or hide it or suppress it. Oh my god. So they did. And this is the this story was passed down generation after generation. And this guy is like, my ancestors were silly. It's like, dude, you were keeping this amazing fossil hidden the whole time and you knew about it. He actually said, quote, I imagine that for my ancestors, quote, it was an interesting thing that you buried and kept to yourself. Eventually, Darwin came along and convinced people that fossils weren't anything to do with Satan. Oh, my lord. But that's the reason he was hiding this the whole time. Like, his family chose false comfort over harsh truth. They had, they, it's like they had the answer. You know it's not Genesis. You know this stuff is bullshit. And you have a fossil that is clearly old, older than whatever, several thousand years old. And they're like, instead of telling people about it, they're like, let's hide this. Yay, Genesis. That is... I, I have a, I almost have this nightmare that like, what if Ken Ham underneath Ark Encounter, under the land that it's on, they found something that just definitively to them anyway, proves that evolution is legit. What do you think he would do with that information? Do you think he would try to announce it and rationalize it in his narrow worldview? Mm. Or do you think if he had this like, oh my God, this is proof of evolution he would destroy it. And I think he's the sort of person that would just be like, nope, got a giant ark, got to make some money here, destroy it. I don't trust mm, him enough I to salvage that sort of thing. More likely, I think he would bring in like a bullshit scientist. Yeah. That's my scare to quotes. Say, to be like, yeah, it's like 15 years old. Now, it's this crazy. Is, this <laughs> is what he's done in the past when they, like, he, I think they have an actual dinosaur fossil as one of their exhibits. Really? And the, like, if you look at the plaque or the announcement like of it. 1927. That's pretty the much what they do. The oldest thing we've ever found. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just, <laughs> they find a scientist who can back up their, cre- how it fits into their creationist yeah, worldview. Yeah, how science works. You alter the facts to right. fit your theory. Uh, but that is what he's done in the past. But I wonder if there was something even more definitive somehow that, like, what would he do with that? Yeah. I think he would probably destroy it rather than try and rationalize mm, it. Again, know. if you could get away, if you couldn't get away with rationalizing it, right. he would destroy it. Oh, yeah. Um, can we talk about something a little closer to home? Yes. So, um, you live in Naperville, right? I'm close. Are you not in Naperville? No, I think I am. <laughs> I don't want anyone knowing where I live. Oh, yeah. Sorry about that. So, I live in Aurora right next to Naperville. Come find me, weirdos. Um and uh, right in our backyard, there is a man named uh, James R. Pavolo, which is kind of a dope name, which is too bad because he's a monster. He is 75 years old, and he was recently charged with distribution of harmful material, uh, um, accused of showing a sexually oriented video to a minor at a Wheaton church, disorderly conduct in connection, and disorderly conduct in connection with the incident, and obstructive obstruction of justice. The hell did he do? He showed a porn to a kid on his phone in a church. Jesus Christ. And then he tried to delete it in the presence of a cop. Oh, yeah, that's going to work. Which is bananas. So we don't know the age or the gender of the child. But here is maybe... Here's some two really wild facts about this. So this is like... Super not great, right? Showing porn to a minor in a church is yeah, it's frowned really che- upon. Really Thank checking you. a lot of boxes that we probably don't encourage. Yeah, 
This isn't his first brush with the law. In November 2017, he pled guilty to criminal damage to property for setting the tent and belongings of a homeless man on fire. Jesus. Thankfully, the victim um, was not in the tent at at the time. And are you ready for this? They buried the lead on the article I read because uh, Pavolo is a retired Chicago police sergeant. Jesus. Should we have screening for our cops? That's all I'm asking. I don't want the same person who's going to set a homeless man's tent on fire to be in charge of my well-being, right? Am I I the crazy one again? I think that's a fair take. That's frightening. I can't believe he did something else wrong after being such an upstanding citizen. Why the hell would you show anybody? Because men are trash. Like, I don't know what... There's no other explanation needed. (laughs) Um... Man, that's messed up. Isn't that fucked? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there is... I'm trying to decide which of these I want to do next. Since we've mentioned Ark Encounter, let me just bring this up and we'll be fast about it. Um, we I talked about... God, if you talk about the profit margins. <laughs> Let's talk about the profit margins. No, no, no. We talked about this before, that uh, the Grant County, which is where the Ark is situated, mm-hmm. their Board of Education has sued the state's Property right. Valuation Administration and without getting too nuts and bolts here, basically they said the state said Ark Encounter is worth $46 million. They did this in 2017. And that amount is what they used to say, all right, the public schools in the area will get this much of that money. Uh-huh. And it was a small amount. And the school's argument, the Board of Education's argument is Ark Encounter is worth way more than that. We can justify our math here, but it's worth way more than that. And because you assessed it so low, we didn't get the money we should have gotten. Mm -hmm. In fact, it's a way higher valuation, and we actually should be getting more money. Now, none of this is Ark Encounter's fault. It's the state's fault. So they're suing the state, saying, you lowballed this amount. Mm -hmm. You took money out of our pockets that the kids deserve, Uh and we're mad, and we want to fix this. Okay, so Ark Encounter basically responded to this. Again, they are not defendants in this lawsuit, uh-huh. but they responded with the headline. They, they responded in the Grant County News local paper. Mark Louie, the CCO of Ark Encounter, the money guy, said, excuse me, a quote, here's the headline, Ark has always paid its taxes. To which everyone said, okay, cool. no one was arguing otherwise. He even said, some readers of the Grand County News might mistakenly believe that Ark Encounter does not pay its fair share of taxes. That is not the case at all. We super do, guys. No one was arguing this. Cool. We know they paid it. No one's saying they didn't pay it. We're saying the state gave you the wrong amount. <laughs> We're mad at you for other reasons, yes. not this one. <laughs> he also said, like, we pay the bill faithfully, Oops. yet careless reporters with other newspapers and atheist bloggers. That's you! I, oh my I God, do you think he's actually me. talking about you? I actually think he might be. <laughs> we'll want you to believe we have done something wrong. That is not true. Ken, hi, it's me, Jessica. <laughs> Thank you for listening. I oh my know, God. Right? <laughs> Again, literally none of these people have said they're not hey, paying their bloggers. taxes. Anyway, oh. here's what happened this week. Matt Morgan, who's the superintendent of Grant County Schools, has responded to that letter uh-huh. in the Grant County News. And he basically said, like, what the hell are you talking about? 
<laughs> he says, like, the ARC has paid every tax bill that it has been presented. The district has been and continues to question the assessed value of the ARC on which those taxes are based. And he even said this is a win-win for everybody because there is a cap on how much, like, uh, revenue can be increased, uh-huh. like property tax revenue. In fact, if Ark Encounter has to pay more in property taxes, the people in the community would, by law, have to pay less because you can't go above a certain number. Interesting. So if Ark Encounter is, it has to pay the amount we think it's supposed to be paying, uh-huh. this is a win for the entire community. We're fighting this on behalf of all of you. Now, to be clear, like a judge has said, I don't think you, the school board has any standing to bring this case. The school board is saying, yeah, we do. If we don't bring this, who can be? We're affected by the state lowballing the amount. So we don't know how this will end. But it was amusing to see the superintendent of the school saying, Ark, we're on your side here. Right, right, we right. We know you pay it. What are you doing? It's like that politi- the political trick of, like, don't answer the question they asked. Ask, answer, <laughs> answer the question <laughs> that you wanted them to ask. But, yeah. like, get mad at the thing that you think that they're mad at. So that's effective. Yeah. There is another story I wanted to bring up. This involves a Christian magazine, which I that I find funny because the title of the magazine is always listed in all caps, which is the <laughs> way they talk online anyway. <laughs> but it's called Relevant. The, the Relevant! Relevant! We're relevant. Sure you are. Cameron Strang is the name of the, the founder of the magazine and basically their head honcho. His dad actually founded the Christian magazine Charisma. Charisma! Which is not in all caps for some reason. Charisma. Thank you. And Charisma is like the insane media outlet that's like, witches are all around us. We must destroy the witches. Oh, no. That is like 90% of their articles. Cool. But Relevant is supposed to be the cool, hip, teen version that doesn't talk about witches, but talks about like cool Christian stuff. And like, do they? No, but they try. But anyway, here's what happened this week. The uh, Cameron Strang, the guy behind all this, basically got called out by a lot of former staffers as being racially insensitive. Uh-oh. I know, conservative Christians, racially insensitive. Call never. But the examples they provided of what this guy did is bananas. Here's the most egregious example. There was one cover of Relevant... That featured the band The Roots, the Jimmy Fallon house band, right? Like they're banned from Philadelphia. And the issue didn't sell as many copies as they had anticipated. So, of course, if you're working for the magazine, you're going to have a discussion. How come this magazine didn't sell what we thought? Uh What should we do differently in the future? That is a normal conversation to have. What was Cameron Strang's response to why the issue didn't sell? Oh, my God. Is it black people? I'm going to quote. Maybe our audience doesn't want to see scary black men on the cover. <gasps> oh, that's even worse than I thought. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, huh? He also called another writer a curse, like literally a curse. <laughs> oh, I'm man. sorry, scary black men? That's what he said, according to the black staffer, who's like, what the hell are you saying? They have a black staffer? They had multiple people of color on the staff, but they are at least the ones who wrote this. They're like, I had to leave. Because this guy is like, I, they said, I think all the gist of all the articles is like, he's not trying to be racist. He doesn't think he's racist, but he's saying all this racist stuff. Well, he's like old Take man racist. As, he's old man racist. He's like, says all the wrong things. Right. And even when we tell him he's saying this stuff, 
he just keeps doing oh it. God. And it makes all of us very uncomfortable and unwanted and all that stuff that you would expect. Have you read Quest- Questlove had a... Um, who is in The Roots. Who's in The Roots had a maybe an article or just um, a, an essay or something about like what it's like to be living, like walking through the world as somebody who's perceived as literally a scary black man and like talks about going to his, his own apartment in New York and like realizing the woman who he's on the uh, elevator with is like nervous to be oh. around him and just like what that does. And it's, it's interesting and cool because that guy once again, quiet part out loud the right is going senile collectively, Man. I think. Um, they also had a thing about Black History Month that uh, basically they were going to... Here's another quote from Cameron Strang, according to a former staffer. Um, they had done this thing, like little fun articles about like the definitive ranking of Thanksgiving side dishes. That's sort of sure. like... you Hard-hitting journalism. Just a clickbait article. There's yeah. nothing wrong with that per se, as long as no. you're upfront about it. But then uh, they said they were going to publish something, not clickbaity, but something just kind of whimsical okay. during Black History Month. Oh, but God. here's Cameron Strang's response to that. Wait, we're going to publish something every day for Black History Month? Yes, said the staffer. Well, no one talked to me about it. As if you have to run it by him because you might be posting stuff about Black History. Uh-huh. He was then... Saying, I share that I was unaware that I needed permission to commemorate Black History Month. <laughs> oh my God! And then, according to according to the same dude, dude, what did Cameron Strang say? He scrolled through February's twenty-eight days on the computer screen, and his lip curled. Lips, uh, his lip curled as he looked at placeholders on each day for an article related to Black History. "Quote: What about people who aren't interested in that?" He asked. Oh my god! Uh, anyway. That has been so. There was a lot of this stuff, um, and then he went on about how we need to be careful not to waste editorial energy. Sure, and he complained that quote now we'll have to post seven or eight articles per day unquote to offset posting one relating to race for Black History Month. Wow, okay. this guy is a treat. Yeah. Now here's what Cameron Strang, uh, the the magazine's people issued a statement when all this kind of hit the fan because the guy posts this article on medium.com, like just post this blog post. Uh-huh. Then a bunch of other staffers start, former staffers, start corroborating it, adding their own examples. Oh my God. And the, the, the magazine basically said like, oh, we're sorry they went through all this. We are working to fix the whatever. <laughs> Typical boilerplate yeah. thing. Strang has announced this week, I think he did it on Thursday or Wednesday this week, he issued kind of an apology. Mm. It's not a bad one as far as oh. apologies go. Um, I'm not reading the whole thing, but I've learned how my insensitivity has hurt people. And when it came to women and people of color on our staff, I was blind as to how some of my statements were especially insensitive and hurtful. I've caused pain to a lot of people. I'm deeply sorry. Relevant is a, Relevant is a Christian company. Oh, and as its founder, I should be held to a higher standard. Uh, he said he's going to step away from the position, not quit, not resign, just step away, call it a sabbatical or a leave of absence, but I want to use an extended period of time to engage a process of healing, growth, and learning. He added, I am he deeply... He has to heal? Yeah. 
He added, I'm deeply sorry to the people I've hurt. I'm sorry for my toxicity and insensitivity in leadership. I don't want to be that person anymore. Holy shit. Not bad. That's a good, that's a good apology. That's, yes. It's, it's better than the apologies you tend to see. Yeah. It's not I'm apologizing in if you were offended. Yes. Um, now, does it? I, I was curious about this because I didn't know the answer that you would give to this. Do you think it matters that this apology came only when hit with the PR crisis yeah. and not right when the Medium account came out or not anything? Wait, what the was past? the timeline between the Medium coming out and it really... Uh, maybe a week, maybe a few days at least. Mm. Like he kind of lay low at first and only now when everyone's like... Uh, can okay. we file this under uh, disappointed but not surprised? Sure. What do you think he would have to do? And I ask you this as a white person. I'm not black. Like, what do you think he would have to do to make amends? Like, when would it be okay for him to come back? Yeah, I don't know that it would be. I don't know that you can bounce back from something because he's revealed himself to be an Olympic-class racist. Like, and even if he does do better, what he needs to do is step aside and allow certified non-racist people to, to take over. He should... Because especially when you're looking at a, a Christian magazine, it's like there's a huge population of black Christians. Like it's not like right. it's not like the Mormon magazine that like there's four black Mormons. Like that's not a huge segment he needs to worry about. Just like financially speaking, but like he has betrayed people who looked to him for any kind of guidance. And I don't think, I I think that was a fine apology and I think he can do some soul searching and be a non monster soon. But I also don't think that he has a place. There's a place for him anymore. His racism was so bad that it drove out people of color from his, from his staff. Like, yeah, he's a bad dude and he should lose his job over it. And his daddy owns the media company, so he probably won't, though. He'll be fucking fine, though. Yeah, he will, he will be fine. I got one last one for okay. you here. Uh, this is a happier one to end on. Uh, Rice, we're not ending yet. I have things. Oh, okay. Rice <laughs> University uh, has a marching band. They were playing Baylor University Rice? in a football game. Rice University. Uh-huh. Yep. They were playing Baylor. It was a football game. But then the marching band at Rice realized, wait a minute, we're playing Baylor. Baylor is a Christian university that is by definition, anti-gay. Like, it's baked into their policies. Um, uh, Baylor has a statement on human sexuality that says uh, it endorses, quote, purity in singleness and fidelity in marriage between a man and a woman as the biblical norm. Mm. Students are not even allowed to join advocacy groups Mm. that support LGBTQ rights. And in fact, this month, September, the school wouldn't grant recognition to an LGBT-focused student group uh, called Gamma Alpha Upsilon, <laughs> which is G-A-Y. That's pretty Greek. good. Um, but they wouldn't grant them official recognition because mm. they supported LGBTQ issues. Mm-hmm. And so Baylor's like, we're a Christian school. How dare you? No. So Rice University's marching band's like, oh, we're playing that school? What can we do? We're the marching band. And they're like, well, we have our Star Wars halftime show. Let's just modify it a little bit. So if you look, and there's video of this, one... They spell out the word pride on the field. Yes. They march out with rainbow-colored yes. flags. <laughs> Do they change any of the songs? Um, I don't think they so change the songs. it's just a gay Star Wars a, spectacular. That is right. Uh, just like George Lucas always intended. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> the band spokesperson said, we all got to our show writing meeting Sunday and we were like, oh my gosh, this is like exactly what our show needs to be about. We absolutely need to call Baylor out for this. That's incredible. Yeah. yeah. Rice lost the football game, but like, but emotionally was won. anyone paying attention? <laughs> it was a moral victory. <laughs> it was a moral victory. And, and by the way, one upside to all of this is that if you don't know Baylor has any of these things. Cause like, I'm trying to think back. The only time I ever hear of Baylor yeah. is like women's basketball. Yeah. And that's for one, two weeks yeah. in March and April or something. Uh-huh. Like that's pretty much it. And I think every time I've watched coverage of their basketball team, they don't bring up the religious. I've, I've seen last year, Liberty university mm-hmm. had a, a basketball team in March madness that made it past a round or two. Oh, yeah. And no one talked about fall well in any of the coverage. Cause why would they, they're yeah. focused on the sports stuff. But, like, you could easily just think, oh, Baylor, it's a good sports school, and never know that it's an anti-gay Christian school. Interesting. So if this band helps bring some attention to the fact that, oh, yeah, Baylor, like, huh. it's, it believes this crazy stuff, good. That's wild. Yeah. They also played YMCA, carried out the rainbow flags, oh, yep, YMCA. spelled out pride. It was a good show. Oh, bless their hearts. Yes. That's great news. Um, I've got a couple more quick things I just want to burn through. First of all, I'm obsessed with this tweet from Donald Trump from this morning. Oh, God. (laughs) So So the tweet is a grammar tweet in which he uses poor grammar, and I'm obsessed with it. To show you how dishonest the lamestream media is, I use the word little, L I D D L E apostrophe, not little, L-I-D-D-L-E, in describing corrupt congressman little Adam Schiff. Low ratings CNN purposely took the hyphen out and said I spelled the word little wrong, a small but never-ending situation with CNN. So a wait. So he wanted to call Adam Schiff little, spelled with D's D's and an apostrophe at the end. At the end, which doesn't make any sense. Which is what you would do if, like, you drop. He's not saying L I L with like an apostrophe. Yes, exactly. Thank you. That's probably who he was going for. The word "little" with a random apostrophe, but he's calling it a hyphen. Calling it a hyphen. And there's no reason to make it little, like a pot has a lid. Yeah. Like, what was wrong with? So it is so beyond comprehension, but I can't stop reading it. And also today, say he just he spelled the word "describe" wrong. Like it's all so good. Like he's a monster, and he's making ev- he's, made every waking moment of the past few years torturous. But this kind of shit. I feel like the phrase "grammar Nazi" has to be thrown into this conversation somewhere. <laughs> but like a bad grammar Nazi. <laughs> um, I have. I actually didn't tell you about this before, but I have a um, a story about a Christian pastor talking about Greta Thun- Thunberg. Oh boy! I've actually never said that out loud. Thunberg. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, I'm just gonna go ahead and. So he was on, um, who is his name? Uh, Oh, it's Robert Jeffries. Oh, Robert Jeffries. Oh, God. So Trump-loving pastor who Mm -hmm. defends everything Trump does, runs a Christian megachurch in Texas. Uh, So he appeared on Todd Starnes' Fox News radio program on Monday. Todd Starnes, another Mm -hmm. Trump-loving. Uh-huh. Um, he said that Greta needs to stop worrying about the imaginary climate crisis and just read the Bible. Uh, He said, uh, quote, the only thing more fun than listening to him, him being unclear, is listening to the liberals whine that he had the audacity to, oh, Trump, 
had the audacity to skip the climate summit. I tell people all the time, this president is brilliant. He decides to skip attending a session on an imaginary crisis, climate change, and instead he chooses to lead his own conference on a very real problem. Uh, yeah. Global persecution of Christians. <laughs> um, according to Jeffries, the, uh, God created the universe to serve us, not for us to serve the environment. Quote, this Greta Thunberg, uh, Thunberg, the 16-year-old, she was telling, she's warning today about the mass extinction of humanity. So many needs to read poor Greta, G- Genesis chapter 9, and tell her the next time she worries about global warming, just look at a rainbow. That's God's promise that the polar ice caps aren't going to melt and flood the world again. Genesis 9, by the way, if she needs, first of all, she can read for her damn self. Yeah. She doesn't need someone to read to her. Yeah. But Genesis chapter 9, if that's where this wisdom is coming from, I looked it up. Oh. Uh, Genesis chapter 9 is also where they say Noah uh, was 950 years old. Mm-hmm. Totally normal. But he moisturizes. He looks great. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's why the, the Ark Encounter has such a nice little display for him. But yeah, like Shh. if you listen to why, if you want to know why young people are walking away from Christianity, like, it's, it's just and scientific garbage. illiteracy. It's mm-hmm. condescension. Yep. It's... Like, what? She cares about saving the world? Shut up, little girl. Yeah. We got religion to worry about. Um, and just Ugh. one last thing. Um, so a guy named uh, Sumantra uh, Maitra, M-A-I-T-R-A, Maitra, I think. Okay. Uh, he wrote a piece for the Federalist, and I'm kind of obsessed with it. Oh, boy. I just want to read some poll quotes. It's just, it's just like... It's a conservative website. It's a conservative website, and he's linking... A lot linking, of horrible takes. Yeah, oh, Nuclear bad takes. Yeah. Uh, and he's comparing, he's just saying that like environmental activism is rebranded um, paganism. Oh, which, yeah. like, sure, right. Sure. Um, I subtitled this conservatives threaten us with a, threatening us with a good time once again. Quote, as secular liberalism destroyed the fundamental ties that bind society, faith, flag, and family, the human instincts for faith to believe, worship, submit, and fear just didn't just go away, but manifested in various other pre-civilized travel ways. For example, a liberal cent- uh, cemetery, blah, 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 boring, boring, boring. Um, members have blocked D.C. and London intersections, quote-unquote, twerking, the way people in a, free, in a pre-civilized era would perform a fertility dance and pray to Gaia. You know, twerking and Gaia. They've clearly not met pagans or know how they worship. Um, can you just go ahead and let me know every time you hear a buzzword in this paragraph? Because mm-hmm. it is a doozy. I wrote about her long before the new woke capital fanatics adopted her as a pawn. In a recent speech to the UN, while clearly having an emotional meltdown, oh yeah, triggered. She she told assorted leaders, voice trembling, that they have failed the children and history wouldn't be kind. The quote gatekeepers immediately hailed her as a brave savior as well as a vulnerable autistic teen who shouldn't be bullied. So there you have it: sexualized dances, psychedelic hallucinogens, worshiping nature, confessing sins, and pagan animism, worshiping purified teen saints, and throwing them up on an altar bereft of their childhood to promote a greater cause. Add that witches hexing Bre- Brett Kavanaugh and having a Ouija board invoke the spirit of Karl Marx, and everything old is new again. Sometimes I'm writing stuff for the website, and I work hard to make sure I'm doing like citing stuff accurately uh-huh. and making a fair argument because right. a cheap a, shot a is... A good faith argument, make, yeah. yeah. And then I realized, wow, I could totally not do any of this and I could still get a job. Oh, yeah. And just write complete horseshit. Just Facts pull it out better. of my ass. Sound angry and grieved 
and whatever, just make fun of a little girl. Good to go. They are ready to hire. The modern left is a combination of two of the worst impulses in human history. First are the ultra-privileged bourgeoisie, which, having lost their old Judeo-Christian faith, are instinctively attracted to pre-civilized rituals. That pre-civilized rituals, I don't know why, but it feels racist to me. It feels like a racist (laughs) dog whistle, and I can't put my finger on why. Maybe I'm I'm a little uh, off-kilter there. Um, From overt sexuality to fewer family ties. Consider late Roman public orgies and you get an idea. <laughs> I love this guy. At the same time, I'm just going to finish this and we can, can be done. I'm just obsessed the with it. pitch meeting in that website's room for like, what article should we have up today? Roman orgies. I got it covered. I know how to link it up. At the same time, human minds feel a gaping void that still needs to be filled by an alternate faith. No. It's in that intersection where this occultist, apocalyptic climate paganism comes from. It gives some privileged people a noble purpose. Y'all. Dude. I feel seen. (laughs) If you're depressed right now, you could write for the Federalist. Uh Just start trashing it. Yeah, maybe I should pitch the Federalist. I have have some good ideas. (laughs) Um, So, as a reminder, um, October 5th, 5 p.m. at Fat Cat in Uptown in Chicago. Come Come say hi. We'll be there for a couple hours. Um, Unless no one is there, then I'm leaving in like five minutes. Okay, well, I'll hang out for a couple hours because my friend Megan's going to be there and I haven't seen her for a long time. So, if nothing (laughs) else, it will be me and my husband hanging out with our friend Megan. There you go. Um, you can follow Hemant on Twitter at Hemant Meta. You can follow me on Twitter at Blueberry B L U E B U R I E. You can um, order cross stitches um, from me from my shop. Um, I do a lot of custom work. It's uh, bitches get stitched done. Um, oh, I have a new website, JessicaBlumkeyGrape.com. Look at you, J E S S I C A B L U E M K E G R E I F F. I have a lot of German names. Why don't you send me a link? Me. I'll add it to the notes. Yeah. So if you want to hire me for public speaking or writing, then you should do that because I would like your money. Oh, speaking of which, donate to Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> um, do we have a new goal coming up for Patreon? I feel like we're uh, about to I'll hit a goal. I'll double check. I'll get back to you I think on we that. have like maybe transcripts coming up soon. Yeah, probably. Cool. All right. Thank you for listening. Bye, we'll all. talk thank to you, you next week.